Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel the change in the way right now. Nothing's in my way. Dr. Jess Online coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. How is everybody tonight? I would say that I feel great, but I think I'm getting a cold. Shh, don't tell anybody. Okay. Anyway, we have a great show for you tonight, as usual. And uh, I'm going to give my um, few little announcements. Uh, number one, uh, Sean and I will be speaking at an integrative conference in Kentucky this upcoming weekend, um, given by Dr. Jim Roach, who's also known as America's Healer. I just spent about 20 hours on the uh, PowerPoint for it and um, looking really very much forward to going to Kentucky. I've never been to Kentucky. I can't wait to see Kentucky. I've heard lots about Kentucky, mostly about the bluegrass, but you know how it is. Okay. After that, we have a couple of great shows coming up and I'm going to do the second part of the cell danger response uh, video. I'm sorry. The cell danger response podcast about mid-December. Uh, people have been asking an awful lot about the cell danger response hypothesis. It's honestly not a hypothesis. It is um, putting what we already know all together. Uh, the whole cascade effect that occurs from the cell's response to uh, psychological input, toxins, and so forth, has been known for a really long time, but nobody's ever put it together the way that uh, this uh, author put it together and made it completely scientifically valid. A lot of people have kind of turned a blind eye to what goes on in the cell. And I have to remind everybody, because the, the questions are already here on the on the uh, chat room, that <clears throat> everything that happens in your life, every single thing happens inside the cell. Okay, we tend to think of methylation, we tend to think of you know, this, that, and the other thing is how, or detox, especially like detox. Oh my God, it's all elsewhere. It all happens inside the cell. So the cell danger response puts it all together in one paradigm, one thought process. And then once you see the second part that we do, where I'm showing you where it actually affects and how it actually affects everything, it'll make perfect sense. But I tried to do that in one show. And unless you, I was going to put you guys to sleep because I had about 160 panels. And I said, no, no, no this is too much. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the cell danger response is not a hypothesis. It's a fact. And has it changed what I do? Okay. It doesn't change what I do. It's a matter of fact, it's validated what I do. Okay. I'm one of the few people, I show the people who work like me, are the few people who've been treating the cells. No one else is treating the cells. They're treating methylation, which is an impossibility. They're treating this. They're treating, they're treating everything but the cell, which is why people are remaining sick because no one's treating the cell, and that's where the problem is. Okay? So um, look it over again. You have questions, feel free to email me. Tonight we have a great speaker, uh, Rika Milanovic-Galbraith, who is a – who's an MD and a board certified in family medicine. She graduated with a BS in zoology from Ohio University and then went on to medical school at Ohio State University, College of Medicine, where she received her MD degree. She completed her residency at Grant Medical Center at a level one trauma center in Columbus, Ohio. So <laughs> being an ER nurse, that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, she spent her first six years of practice practicing inpatient and outpatient medicine, as well as 
delivering babies. And about three years ago, she transitioned to functional and integrative medicine, which I bet is going to be a great story. Okay, she's trained extensively in functional medicine through the Institute for Functional Medicine. Uh, so she practices integrative medicine and nutrigenomics. Uh, she'll be certifying with IFM very soon. Um, she's also board certified in integrative medicine through the American Board of Integrative and Holistic Medicine. Her approach, which is exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight, is optimizing health through a bio-individual approach. wonder where she got that term from. Um, <laughs> uh, combining functional, integrative, and nutrigenetic approach. And her paradigm, her, the way that she thinks, is by going at the root causes and downstream effects and looking to create lifelong wellness. She's just recently relocated. And um, is launching her health optimization consultation business, which, which she will, business, which she will tell you about. People, everybody asks me, who can we, who can we go to, who knows all this stuff? Who can we go to, who uh, you know can put all this stuff together? Well, here she is. Okay, and let me introduce Dr. Galbraith, Dr. Rika. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Dr. Jess. Thanks for having me on your show. It's a pleasure, and thanks for that really lovely introduction. Oh, you're most welcome. Um, I told everybody a little bit about your background, but what I'm really interested in, because most um, most allopathic medical physicians don't make this big paradigm switch. I'm curious as what prompted you to switch from standard traditional, what we consider traditional or allopathic medicine to functional and integrative medicine. That's a really good question. Um, I've had a long interest in integrative medicine. My Eastern European roots exposed me to holistic remedies from a very young age. We were subjected to garlic mashed and mixed with lard applied to our feet. At, at the onslaught of any fever, we really dreaded it, but lo and behold, it did work. So garlic <laughs> was the miracle drug then. Um, and then, you know, I ended up taking my first job. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, and then I took my first job outside of Seattle, Washington, and as you know, practiced comprehensive medicine, did deliveries, and had the loveliest practice you could ever imagine. This practice became like an extended family, and it really bothered me when 20% of my patients, I just couldn't get better, and I even ended up developing dialogue saying, gosh, if we... Um, if, if the lab and exam prove uh, that we can't determine anything, we have to look at, at a more comprehensive approach. And I really didn't know where to take that. And, of course, in the allopathic community, that usually meant that that fatigued patient you should be telling that they're either depressed or they have chronic fatigue um, when their fatigue wasn't that bad, but it was still disabling to some degree. But um, so this really had me looking. I was also fortunate enough to uh, work with a few naturopaths in the community along with acupuncturists. And then I even went on to mentor a couple of the, natu uh, the naturopathic medical students from Bastyr. And that put me on the road, but, um, you know, it wasn't easy. The year I came out was right around the time Andrew Weil had released and uh, started the integrated medicine residency. But, you know, coming out with so much debt, I, I just couldn't see spending another $50,000 to train and it was limited. So um, it was put on the back burner for a while. And then, you know, then like everyone else, I had my own health challenges that came up. Um, it took 10 years for me to finally be diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And when you're in medical school and residency, everyone's tired. I just didn't know that I was more tired than the average medical student and resident. And it really kind of put a little bit of a damper. You know, we were given this diagnosis of unexplained infertility and um, we thankfully did get pregnant naturally twice, but that was through employing a lot of natural uh, supplements, uh, mindfulness, and acupuncture. But, you know, it just kept escalating, and I've been able to divert many of these things that have come up personally. But, you know, some of my family, I could almost every single family member has had some issue that's come up that's either had an adverse outcome or could have been much better treated if this comprehensive approach had been taken. So, my why is, you know, I do everything I do now, and I have this thirst for learning that seems almost insatiable because I've seen the heartache, disease, and symptoms caused, both personally and professionally. And it's really for that couple with infertility who only see pregnant women on every corner or the patient who's told it's all in her head and maybe they should consider an antidepressant when all they really need is a comprehensive approach. When you say comprehensive approach, 
you're really talking about a holistic or integrative approach. No? Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, because comprehensive means different things to different people. Um, Most medical physicians that I know will do a comprehensive approach, but it falls well short of what's needed and necessary for uh, actual diagnosis of a problem. But holism is more of a the best of all worlds, best of integrate, best of alternative and traditional medicine. So, what does it really do? I think is kind of widen your ability to diagnose because you consider more things significant than anybody else does. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that was a better way to to word that one. So no, I'm just I'm just adding to what you're saying because you're. Uh, mm-hmm. Exactly, you know, to be to be to say the words to actually say to yourself when you're treating somebody, boy, there's other reasons for this, you know, is uh, pretty pretty amazing because this is the exact thing that we're trying to impart to everyone uh, that there is more um, more stuff going on than meets the eye, so to speak. Um, you use. Um, you say that you use a bioindividual approach combining functional integrative and a nutrigenetic approach. Um, what does that actually mean? That's a really good question. So, you know, I originally started training strictly in functional medicine, and um, a functional approach targets root causes of diseases. The way I take that is that I do a, a very thorough intake in history. So you can determine sometimes these underlying causes or deficiencies simply by listening. And I think that's an art that's been lost a little bit. And just to highlight, I had a natural, uh, I'm sorry, a nurse practitioner student that I ended up uh, recruiting into my prior practice before we moved, who was with me for three months. And she was always amazed that when they came back, what I predicted at the initial visit were, were the deficiencies we then found, which I would almost always say, I think this is what's going on. Let's have you make these changes. And they would invariably come back either mostly better or a, a good percentage better. And she was just wowed by that. And I said, really, you just have to listen. So I balance, you know, what I hear in the history, I do a good, so I balance the physical, what I see on exam with the biochemical, what I, I do the biochemical, which is the labs, just to confirm what I think is going on with the emotional and spiritual. So I take a good history of, you know, what is their drive in life? What what do they feel their purpose is in life? And um, then the psychosocial stressors that go along with that, um, you know, who do they affiliate with? What kind of energy is that creating in their life? And um, along with the diet and lifestyle, of course. So, just using functional medicine alone, I felt like, you know, these patients that weren't better from a traditional allopathic approach, I was getting pretty good results. 70 to 80% were coming back uh, largely improved of the ones that I couldn't cure, so to speak, before. And then an integrative approach is really adding all those other modalities. So, for example, you know, a common thing I see is someone who is overweight because they're hiding behind the weight and and I'm reading that I see some past trauma, but they're not ready to let that bubble up to the surface. So, you know, you can use your energy healers like Reiki or, or do energy release through acupuncture and um, so, so that they can come to terms with what's driving that, that overeating. Um, and then with the nutrigenetic, it's very interesting. So while I was practicing, MTHFR became uh, the big buzzword uh, in our practice a couple of years ago. And I learned it's not just one gene. You really need to know the whole approach. But ironically, so what that means, nutrigenics means bypassing defective genes with nutrients to make them more functional. So using the things that that drive and feed that gene. So usually a gene is maybe less functional. I wouldn't say it's completely turned off. But, um, and you know that I was just doing that for clarification. But, um, at any rate, the interesting thing is if you live a healthy life, you can uh, modify the expression of your own genes. So the bottom line is the healthier I can make you live, the less you're going to need a nutrigenetic approach. So I kind of reserve that or we utilize that when someone hasn't gotten better with all all the other tools and tricks um, that I have. And um, it's it's really starting to make a difference in some of the people with a chronic diseases, probably as you've seen in your practice, and and with the kids, the kids are, have been a real delight to work with and and um, get improvement on. 
Are you there? Okay. Sometimes yeah, yeah, the thing just drops people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it didn't it drop really me. It really does. You're like, when you get quiet, when it gets quiet, you're like, is somebody actually there? Okay. Um, so basically your, your approach is the same that we've been preaching for a long time is to put everything together to include the genetics and the genetics are really good pointers, especially when you get stuck. And if you, it's not just understanding the genes and the polymorphisms that of the genes, it's a matter of understanding where they fit in the pathways and whether those pathways could be compromised by oxidative stress and, you know, whether they're going to respond the way as somebody who doesn't have polymorphisms and kind of point you in the, in the direction, especially when you get stuck. But what is coming out of the, um, most of the people who do this kind of work is that concentrating just on treating the polymorphisms, just on treating the SNPs is really not the way to treat people. And um, there's like a ton of computer programs out there now that uh, that are taking the raw data from 23andMe and crunching it and saying, oh, you need to take this based on your polymorphisms. Um, and we could name them, but I don't want to get sued. <clears throat> but basically, you know, you walk into somebody's <laughs> office and they, they run your genes through a program and say, oh, the program says you need this. You know, you got, got to kind of slip out the back, Jack, you know, because that's not the way to treat people. Okay. Uh, really? So, but that's exactly what you're telling me that you're doing, which is great. You know, this is what people, this is the approach that people need because what we lack are those doctors that can put everything together. And uh, everybody's a specialist now. You can, they look at things from their own, um, their own through their own lens, which tends to be quite myopic. But um, but it's it's refreshing to hear an approach like this. You're um, doing uh, a consulting business in health optimization, especially concerning women. What what exactly is? I mean, I know what the words mean, but. Um, it's like when somebody says, "Oh, I, I treat methylation." You don't really know what you're getting, okay? Or I'm treating, or I really seriously, I'm like, "Oh, I'm," you know, you see alternative medicine, and and you know, I see that with like um, like cancer treatment centers of America. Oh, we do alternative medicine. Yeah, right. I've been there. You know, they dangle the carrot, okay? They don't actually do it. Uh, so when you say that you're consulting for health optimization. What is that? What is it going to entail? Why would somebody, um, why would somebody want to work with you under that particular auspice? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so, in my mind, uh, health optimization really what I when I optimize someone's health, you know, you're taught in allopathic medicine that we want to prevent bad outcome. I just don't want I don't want to not only prevent bad outcome, but I want to take that person who thinks they feel okay or maybe is a little tired and I want to make them feel like they're 20 so I really want that energy level to be where it should be and uh, the example I can give is um, since I was still practicing primary care medicine through June of this year I would see my 20 year olds would come in that for a routine physical I do the physical and I would still include the functional approach so that was the benefit of seeing me as a primary care physician back then and um, I'd say boy I think we've got some deficiencies going on this is what I think you need to do to make these simple changes I do the blood work to confirm we come back I always had even the 20 year olds come back in for a 45 minute follow-up so we could talk about where they were headed and you could pick up these subtle nuances that you know that their thyroid gland doesn't look so is looking like it's suboptimal and boy that their zinc level is really in the gutter and you need zinc is just one of the many nutrients you need to for proper thyroid um thyroid hormone um production and and, uh, function so um you'd make these changes and they'd say boy i always thought i felt pretty good but i feel really great so that's what I want to impart. And then it's also for, you know, if you don't make changes when someone's in their 20s or earlier in life, then, you know, particularly for women, they have child and after child, maybe two years apart, they never really fully recover in regard to sleep. They're already uh, kind of lacking in regard to how their adrenals are functioning. And they come to you and they're just simply exhausted. They can't cope with stress and um, their sex drive is down and their self wonders why. And, um, so it's, it's really those are the kind of with women it tends to be, you know, that they start out a little deficient, and that's by virtue that even our our soil is 
uh, so over farmed that you're going to, even with organic foods, non-GMO, you're going to get less nutrients. And if you're not eating a sound diet and getting seven to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables, and I'll tell you that even with the healthiest of people, that's a, a challenge for many of us to, to hit per day. You're not going to get the nutrients you need to to fuel anything for the body. So then you start in your 20s and it just progresses. So, um, And I've just had great results and um, really so that they don't get to be the 50-year-old with, oh, no, I've got, um, you know, I really can't even get off of the couch because they're in, they're in a stage three adrenal dysfunction. Um, but so it's really kind of taking that functional approach and I want to, and catching it when it's before it's gone to that chronic, uh, state where they really are, are completely almost disabled. So that's where I want to catch them. Well, you know, you bring, you bring up a really good point, um, uh, which is a good segue into some other, into another area I wanted uh, to ask you about. Uh, we get our foods organic. Well, we try and keep things as organic as possible, but, the farm the farming is done on soil that has been used and overused and overused and overused so it's nutrient deficient even if it's organic and of course when the um vegetables are pulled out of the ground uh it starts losing nutrients you know as time goes on so that that tomato that you're you have in the winter that was actually uh farmed in chile 3 months ago and picked in chili three months ago doesn't really have the same nutrient content as a, um, a vine-ripened tomato. Um, so it, it's always been my opinion that supplementation, we, can't, we really can't get away from supplementation because I don't think we can get, like you even said, it's a challenge to get that amount, those amount of servings of nutrient-dense, nutrient-rich, organic, non-GMO, non-pesticide-filled foods. <laughs> You know, in a daytime, I mean, and we have other things we have to do with our lives than, uh, you know, constantly, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, and of course, organic foods tend to be more expensive. And if you have a family, it becomes a real uh, conundrum. So do you think that there's a set of vitamins that are crucial for everybody? I, I do. Um, and, you know, and let me put this disclaimer out there. So my goal is not to trade medications for supplements, but there are a handful that I think everyone would benefit uh, from, uh, from children all the way on up. And the first is a multivitamin, multimineral. So a lot of what you buy over the counter is just a multivitamin. So there's no minerals, and the minerals are the three top ones, zinc, selenium, iodine. You need that for thyroid hormone function. And if it's not functioning, then you're fatigued, and that's such a common complaint I see. The second would be balanced fatty acids, so your omega-3s in balance with your omega-6s. Um, so a good fish oil and, and maybe some GLA, which is um, – uh, or evening primrose oil, which is your omega-6s. So um, those, that would be number two. And number three would be a good probiotic. So I think uh, a lot of us have heard about how powerful the microbiome is. And, you know, they've, they've done the um, studies in, in rats. They've transplanted, you know, the microbiome from a, a, a skinny mouse into an obese mouse and, and turned that, that obese mouse skinny. So it's really pretty powerful. So your gut bacteria, the good ones in particular, are there for a reason. And um, oftentimes when someone has a, a GI viral illness, so some sort of viral diarrhea going on, have them double up on probiotics. And if you push it enough, um, usually that does the trick. So without having to be over-prescribed an antibiotic for what is likely a virus. Um, so multivitamin, multimineral. A balanced fatty acids, which are your omega-3s, in balance with omega-6s, a good probiotic. And what range, you know, for the average person, 25 to 30 billion um, colony-forming units, that's CFUs, with multiple strains. So four or more strains are where I like to start. Now, if you've got other conditions, I, t I take that level a lot higher. So for my autoimmune Patients, you know, they could be up at 100 billion or even 450 billion, uh, like it's seen in uh, VSL3. And then, lastly, um, many patients will need vitamin D. And you know, I've, I've run so many vitamin D labs, and I, I, I have 100% of patients who are not taking vitamin D are either insufficient or completely deficient. So those are my my top ones. And then the rest is really according to how how you're living, how you're, what you're eating. And, um, 
if, if we do find other deficiencies. And, you know, my goal is you, you restore balance everywhere, including in the GI tract, to make sure they're absorbing things um, and, and have them on if they are deficient in, vit- in other vitamins and, and nutrients is replace them for a solid three months um, and then retest and see, you know. So it's not to have them on 10 to 15 or even 20 supplements, but a handful. Hmm. Again, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, ever since I, we've been <laughs> we've been pointing at the cell and um, utilizing uh, the treatment of of solely that, it's all a matter of absorption into the cell. And um, and you're right, multivitamin, multimineral, um, phospholipids, uh, one way or another, having them create. Um, high levels of fish oils can be a, a blessing and a curse, depending on on your, um, mm-hmm. you know, how your how your enzymes work, uh, and um, so sometimes they can create a little bit too much uh, nitrous oxide at the mitochondria. But um, that's the province of the healthcare provider to be able to sit there and, and work their way through that. And um, you know, sometimes high levels of vitamin D are not good for somebody because they can create inflammation. Again, it's an individualized approach. That's why it has to be done individually with individual consideration. As I know that I'm not preaching to you, I'm just reminding everybody out there. That's why I'm having you on the show because <clears throat> you're practicing individualized medicine, which is near and dear to my heart. You know, and that's the way everybody should be treated. Um, that's the way people used to be treated. And with the birth of specialization, we had the inevitable afterbirth, you know, which was um, people being shunted around without doctors talking to one another. And unfortunately, uh, the end results were people with hidden or chronic illnesses and nobody would put it together, but everybody would look at it from their particular lens. Um, so is there areas that you like to treat, I know there's areas I like to treat, things that you find easy, things that, um, you know, this kind of uh, case comes in and you say, oh, this is the thing I really like to treat the most. Yeah, I have um, plenty of them, so I, it's usually not, it's not just one, but um, besides <laughs> this catching catching the uh, deficiencies early, so what I call health optimization, you know, for women, um, I really like to treat the thyroid, the adrenals, um, and hormones. And uh, for the children, um, I have had great luck and really like getting the little kiddos with the ADHD better, along with uh, some of the sensory and auditory processing disorders. It's amazing when they're in balance and, and you look at their amino acids and, and they're as they should be, um, how they're all of a sudden functional and not kick, getting kicked out of preschool or elementary school for their behavior. Um, um, and then having an autoimmune disease myself, I really... I. I'm passionate about treating autoimmune disease. I have a protocol that I use. I've adapted from um, others' protocols. I always believe in not reinventing the wheel. So if I find something that works, you know, you utilize it and then you tweak it to your uh, individual patient and uh, how they respond. And then lastly, an area that I'm getting more and more into is um, the uh, uh, sports kind of nutrition and optimizing health of athletes. So, you know, having an athlete that, overtrains is equivalent to having a chronic uh, disease. And uh, I recently consulted with a woman who was a vegan and doing triathlons. And um, when you really questioned Ooh. her, it, it was clear that so she was vegan doing triathlons, not supplementing with very much of anything. Um, vitamin D she was, so her D levels were actually optimal. But um, when you really questioned her, she was uh, she did um, say that after these long races, boy, she needed a longer time to recover than all of her um, friends who were uh, competing with her. And so, of course, she were, was deficient across the board in her B vitamins. And she was like, wow, I wonder. And it was just amazing that that was such a simple fix to keep her from uh, you know, becoming chronically ill or, or even more fatigued than she already was. So. That's amazing. That's amazing to say. It, it's it's so hard when you're vegan to get the the right combination of things. You know, um, it really is. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. I do. And you know, you know, it's not only B12. It's carnitine and CoQ10. So they're largely, you know, come from animal protein sources. So 
Um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not opposed to any diet and I support any sound diet that a person is not reacting to. So that they don't actually have intolerances to that are, that, that the foods are not triggering their immune system. So whether it's paleo or vegetarian, those are probably my top one or two. Um, vegans just tougher all around. So I would say most of those would, would, uh, most vegans would benefit from supplementation beyond what we talked about earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. Let's see. I know because we met at Dr. Ben's uh, Shai Khan, uh 2015 conference, and uh, I know I learned a ton of things, <laughs> you know, that I've been throwing at people like you wouldn't believe. So tell me, what did you learn that you could, um, you'd like to um, share with everybody? All right, I'm going to start with, um, there was so much. It was like, where do you begin? I think I took like 10 pages of additional notes on top of his, all those slides, Ben's 500-some slides and not to mention all the lectures, but that was a great conference. Um, you know, so when we talk about uh, methylation, a lot of practitioners start from the top. So and the top means that you're starting, you know, pretty much with the methionine cycle way at the top. And one of the points they emphasize, so for those of, the, those of you that don't know, methylation is strictly a series of biochemical pathways, and you're continually donating uh, a carbon with three hydrogens. So you're donating these methyl groups over and over again. And what it serves to do is to make your DNA, to turn genes on and off. And um, one of the key cofactors is SAMI, and SAMI's main function is to... Um, produce creatine or creatine and uh, choline. Um, but anyway, one within that, all those pathways, I found it interesting that the uh, focus from the bottom up and by the bottom, way at the bottom, one of the bottom pathways is something called transsulfuration. And so we're a byproduct uh, as homocysteine trickles down is sulfate. But you can get hung up if you have certain mutations or SNPs or polymorphisms, so to speak. So, um, you can end up having an accumulation of sulfite. And the way you would, and you would want that to clear so you could get proper running of all these pathways. So sulfite needs to convert to sulfate. And that accumulation of sulfite can come from um, upregulation of the CBS gene, or you could also have a defective gene that doesn't allow for the conversion of sulfite to sulfate. So, and the way you can tell clinically is someone high in sulfite and know that there's some kind of obstruction in this pathway is, do they tolerate red wine? Do they have issues with eating food off of a salad bar, which often utilizes sulfites for, as a preservative? Uh, do they have flatus or farts that smell like sulfur? So those are three simple questions you can ask. Um, and then you look, if you look at the pathway, you can say, all right, well, what helps? What are the nutrients that help in this conversion if you do have some sort of obstruction? And lo and behold, it's molybdenum and B1. B1 is thiamine. So um, that was really kind of key, and I had not been focusing on the bottom part of the pathway. I think all of us were stuck way up at the top and getting uh, basic methylation in regard to methionine, so MTHFR and, and so on working. So, And I think that's a piece I was um, missing, and uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to finally add, you know, keep adding to my layers of knowledge so I can continually get patients better. It's interesting. Uh, a lot of people uh, concentrate, um, don't understand how to, um, don't understand how to utilize their knowledge of polymorphisms and how to interpret it in in the pathways and how to interpret it in relation to the clinical condition of the patient. Okay, and what you just said was you understand how to do that and how to translate uh, what a patient is feeling and what a patient's experiencing and uh, find different rationales and different reasons, different root causes and different downstream effects that are treatable. So it gives you the ability to take those nightmare cases that all doctors, you know, cringe when the patient walks in because they don't know where to go with them. Okay, and uh, you've taken the information and um, 
distilled it so that you have a good understanding of why something happens. You also know how to ask the proper questions. I'm actually writing a, a not a course, but um, well, it's going to be part of a course, I think, you know, on how to do a history, how to do a nutrigenomic history. You know, it's kind of a <laughs> an interesting <laughs> thing to do because uh, if you know the questions they ask, you can tell whether the pathways or the genes are expressing if they're a problem and then what to do about it. Okay, it's mm-hmm. it actually isn't all that hard, but, you know, it just takes a certain level of knowledge and all of a sudden it kind of just clunks together if you bother to, if you bother to study it. Okay, not a lot of people bother to study it. And... Um, I find that a little unconscionable myself, but hey, what can you say? Okay, and um, a lot, a lot of things we, you know, I've been talking about a lot of the cell danger response, so we won't, we won't beat that particular dead horse. But we did talk a lot about the mitochondria in the uh, conference. So, what did you, what would you like to share about the mitochondria? Yeah. So, as the listeners may or may not know, the mitochondria are responsible um, for making our energy, our ATP. So if they're not functioning, you know, that's uh, pretty much you can assume that anyone with a chronic disease or who's had profound fatigue or even brain fog likely has mitochondria that are not functional or dysfunctional. And one of the pearls was is there's different forms of vitamin B12 you can give. And the preferred um, uh, mitochondrial form is actually a form called adenosyl cobalamin. So I've, mm-hmm. I was familiar with that, but... So it's really crucial to give those that have brain fog adenosyl cobalamin and not methylcobalamin because that's what the mitochondria actually need to function. Um, and then within the mitochondria, um, so and then this gets back to where you had said, you know, what vitamin would you use or uh, what, what supplements would you use across the board? And this is where my case would be for not using over-the-counter multivitamins. Um, is that most over-the-counter multivitamins for their B12 have cyanocobalamin in them. And cyanocobalamin goes through a conversion or becomes cyanide. And cyanide can be quite damaging to the mitochondria, and it affects um, the mitochondrial complex too. So there's various complexes. And so, and you have a lot of mitochondria in the eye. So if you don't, if your body doesn't detox and clear that cyanide, I mean, it, it could be a potential issue. And you may say, well, why do they put this in vitamins? Well, it's, it just happens to be the cheaper form to pr- produce. So it's it's less expensive to produce, and they're banking on that. You're not going to have an issue with it. So um, it, it pays to really use a good, uh, high-quality um uh, multivitamin. And then kind of lastly, along the lines of uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, for those of my patients who have autoimmune disease, you'll see a lot of dysfunction in those who have osteoarthritis. And what you can see is that um, an enzyme called SOD is downregulated. And that's what helps you uh, reduce um, your oxidative stress. And you can actually give SOD as a trial. And um, I think in the conference, Dr. Lynch had even commented how his wife has had severe um, rheumatoid arthritis from the age of seven, and and she could definitely notice the difference of utilizing SOD and not being so stiff. So those are kind of my, that that really rung out for me, I think, is um, one, the proper form of uh, B12 to use when you have mitochondrial dysfunction, too, is that uh, overcounted multivitamins probably is not the best thing for us. And, um, and three is that in you know that this comes into play in autoimmune disease and that we we can counteract it um, by helping the SOD enzyme work better by just supplementing with it. Well, the uh, function of the mitochondria is is primary uh, in our healing processes. Uh, most people don't uh, remember that um, one of the one of the uh, cofactors and things that are necessary the mitochondria work is to get um, is coenzyme Q10, which takes the products of the Krebs cycle and ferries them through the mitochondria. That was discovered in Japan when people had periodontal disease. The Japanese dentist, you know, somebody picked it up, brought it to the United States, and you know, made a big multi-level marketing thing about it. And it didn't work as well because we weren't so bereft of coenzyme Q10 because our diets were different. Uh, but uh, what the takeaway from that was is that the lack of mitochondrial function will cause you to have disease or allow disease to take root. A lot of people, um, 
you know, don't they think about the mitochondria. They, they don't think too much about it because <laughs> it tends to be a little complex, but it's really not all that. It's not really all that complex. And um, you have to realize that, you know, certain factors are necessary to have full function of the mitochondria. And um, one of them is uh, the proper uh, coenzymes and cofactors. Um, I don't know that, that I exactly agree with the production of cyanide as part of cyanocobalamin. It's uh, more of a carrier ion. And, um, yeah. I, I, you know, we could uh, agree to disagree on that one uh, because um, – <laughs> You know, it's uh, the impression I think people got was like, oh, I'm taking cyanide. Well, not really. <laughs> you may have a little cyanide in there because that's the carrier ion, but I don't think it's sort of like the gas chamber, you know, where it does block, mm-hmm. you know, uh, complex two of the mitochondria, and that's how it kills the person by stopping all cellular function. But <laughs> that's, um, <clears throat> that's a bit much. So, um, you also said a little bit about, uh, by the way, people, if you'd like to ask Dr. Reich a question, uh, you can call in on 646-595-2277, that's 646-595-2277. And um, I'd really like you to call in because this uh, this physician is a wealth of knowledge, and this is exactly what you have been screaming and yelling about. You want doctors that do exactly what she has done. She has taken the training. She has spent a good portion of her life, you know, making sure that she understands uh, the very nuances of what makes people sick. This is why I respect her so much, and this is why I, had, I wanted her, when I met her, I wanted her on the show because this is the doctor you guys have been saying you want. Okay, so if you don't want to ask her a question now, shame on you. I mean, really, come on. <laughs> so come on, guys, call in. You know, she's got her lead underwear on. Don't worry about it. Ask her anything. I'm sure she's got a, you know, she's got a good solid answer. Okay. No, I guess not. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we'll wait. We'll see, you know, because usually when I say that, all of a sudden it lights up. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you approach ADD. Ah, with ADD. So interestingly enough, let me give you a little history allopathically. So when I came out, it seemed like we were sprinkling Ritalin or giving it out like candy. And I thought, hmm, this just doesn't seem right. Like all these kids are supposedly meeting this criteria. So I started doing stricter kind of uh, evaluations and making making sure that they had thorough neuropsych evals. And I still didn't, I never felt quite comfortable with uh, treating with Ritalin, even though it seemed to help these kids. And I said, this can't be good to these young children. So utilizing just a functional approach, you know, pretty much just, just diet and a few supplements alone without knowing where their deficiencies are, I was seeing, you know, 70, 80, sometimes 90% improvement. And then when you would target it, I'd get almost 100% improvement. This is without doing any, you know, fancy workup, no nutrigenetics, um, none of that. And so it said, boy, I really wish that, you know, physicians weren't relying so heavily on the meds. But when you have seven-minute appointments, and I've I've heard that quoted as the average now in the clinics, and I, I think I was always at about 15 minutes, but so seven to 15 minutes is simply not enough time. And it isn't. I agree. Um, it's just not enough time. And recently the American Academy of Pediatrics put out a statement um, to the effect of that your know, medications and Ritalin shouldn't be first line. And I applaud them because one thing that Ritalin does is um, it pushes dopamine and dopamine is the motivating neurotransmitter. So it's what gets you up off the couch and doesn't make you a couch potato. So it pushes dopamine to the formation of dopamine quinone. And that's, mm-hmm. It can be extremely toxic to the brain and cause irreversible damage. And like you know, for some it's going to happen and some it's not. So I'm like, all the more reason why we should be taking a different approach, especially the younger they are. I find that the younger the patient is, the greater success I have with them. And my ultimate goal is really similar to Dr. Lynch's, is to catch women preconceptually, so right when they get married or in their late teens, and and really doing what I call health optimization. So that's kind of bringing them into balance and making sure all the nutrients they need to support methylation are in place mm-hmm. so they can properly make their DNA so that when that infant is born, mm-hmm. the infant doesn't have deficiencies. So um, I don't know. What do you think? No, it's, that, that's, that's the way things should work. But I think you identified the exact issue. 
Um, it is not, and, and I want to tell everybody who's listening out there, it is not that the doctors don't care, okay? Uh, if you go back to 1993 when, you know, uh, somebody in the government threw gasoline on managed care, okay, and it just started spreading like wildfire, uh, doctors were forced to see people in a shorter period of time, and that included the paperwork involved which now includes the electronic medical records, which, believe it or not, take longer to document than just writing in a chart, okay, which is what everybody was used to. The EMR is not the, the end, is not the wonderful thing that everybody said it you know, was going to be. It actually takes physicians more time to document, and you know, they're seeing patients less and less and less, and they're being forced to do a list of things okay, that's being dictated by insurance carriers. Okay, you have to do this, 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 and you know it, it becomes no longer physicianship. It becomes following algorithms, and uh, you don't have the time to delve into uh, cases the way that you would like to. And um, unfortunately, or fortunately, that has given birth to the concierge type practices and that type of stuff, where doctors are saying, "Well, look, I'm just going to bypass this managed care stuff, but I have to make a living." So you know. I can spend more time with my patients if you pay me separately. Um, it's not the way that things should be, but it's the way that managed care has made it. And, and if you think about seeing six patients an hour and you're just crunching through it, you're going to get burnt out really fast, really fast. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And you're not going to be able to give the uh, level of care to your uh, patients that you would that you originally wanted to when you became a physician, okay, which is really sad because we've got a lot of very frustrated docs out there, a lot of frustrated patients. But you know, honestly, as much as I you know slam the allopaths a lot of times, I realize very fully that most of the docs that I know really do care about their patients. The ones that don't seemingly care about their patients are the ones that are simply burnt out. They're tired. They need our camera mm, even, even more. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, listen, it's it's getting on 10 to 9 here. So uh, I know you guys got questions. I can hear you breathing out there. Okay, so 646-595-2277, 646-595-2277. Um, so really, uh, you've been talking about getting back to basics and, and lifestyle modifications and working all that into a practice. Okay, so you if I don't miss my guess, you've had to change the way that you practice because you can't be seeing people, you know, at six minute intervals, obviously. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about how you're you've uh, moved from Boston to Chicago and you're launching a new business which is essentially a, a consulting business where you're going to be consulting with um with other patients. Oh, wow. We got somebody called in. This is great. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hi, nice person in this 781 area code. Are you there? Yes, I am. And hello, Rika. This is a good friend of yours, Linda Cleary. Oh, hi, Linda. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm actually learning lots, as always, from you. Um, and I just want to see great job. But I actually am in a new practice myself right now, and I agree on one of the things that I found interesting and wanted to share, the the methylation lecture that you had kind of discussed before about moving kind of backwards, starting from the glutathione level and kind of working backwards, I find in the practice I'm in right now, that's exactly what she, um, it's actually Dr. Donna Jones from Bella Natural Health, and she actually goes at that, um, her patient's, on that level as well. A lot of times she'll say before we can really tackle anything, whether it's Lyme or uh, chronic illness from, you know, mycoplasma, she will really start to try to get their system up and running because the majority of those people aren't, you know, they're deficient in magnesium and not going to the bathroom, et cetera. But we also have something called an ionic bath. So I, I guess my question is, do you believe that there are many forms to help detox the body? Many forms, you know, um, many, go ahead. Well, many, many ways to detox the body, like besides just supplementation, which I think is great. I love 
I guess my other question would be for glutathione. Do you have a specific kind that you love? Well, you know, the glutathione, a loaded question, lots of facets. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer, and then I'm also going to have Dr. Jess chime in, too. Um, so oh, you don't want me chiming in. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I think what, what, what the nice lady just said was completely backwards, but that's me. Go ahead. But, you know, from a detox standpoint, you know, sweating, I mean, all all the usual things, making sure they're pooping, giving them uh, liver support for phase one and phase two detoxification, you know, your NAC, your um, your milk thistle, making sure all the cofactors and methylation are working. Glutathione, interestingly enough, um, I used to use a lot of and, um, and it for my fatiguers, and I get a small percentage that didn't, um, they got worse on it. Um, a small percentage. Um, I loved it, and I'm pretty certain I was completely deficient, and that's why we, you know, we lived abroad for eight years. And every time I took an international flight, uh, flying east, I would just be hammered. And first it was one week, and two weeks, and soon it was approaching a month before I could recover. And uh, glutathione slowly fixed that, so I suspect I have some sort of um, mutation in the production of that um, the, the gene. But, um, of course, it's got to be liposomal. So, you know, yeah. I do like um, Essential Pros. If I, if, since let's not, let's not name any event. Let's not name. Oh, no, not name names. Excuse okay. me, nice. Let's not name names, okay? Okay, get, no you know, names. Name, name but, ties, no names, because um, okay. we don't want to be prescribing. We don't want to um, get anybody yeah. who has another product mad at us. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. But anyway, it should be liposomal, so it's not broken down in the gut. So that's the key okay. part of it. And some people prefer to give IV and um, all that. And, not, you know, through my current practice, I'm not going to have that capability for now down the road. I mean. Right. So, but, but I want to no, hear what – go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just I, – I guess I was just curious because we do offer some IV glutathione myself, and it's been very interesting watching – the people who have just had the, you know, I've only been there a few weeks, and really these were pretty sickly people, and just seeing them get, you know, the IV pretty much, it, it, they, they really seem to see it, you know, make a difference. And I even remember getting an email from a patient of mine who, you know, we had tried everything. It was for an 11-year-old boy, um, I think, or 12-year-old boy, and, and he really, um, we were able to keep his kind of illnesses, he was very sickly for a while, at bay, and then I I hadn't heard from her for a while, and she just said, do you know anywhere? I got an email saying she was looking for someone who was doing IV glutathione. So I guess I was just trying to get a consensus of if it was, you know, um, an option that was considered pretty worthwhile because everything I read seems to show positive for glutathione. I guess uh, it, that's a, it, it, taken in context. So if I could see the pathways and know, and clearly with this child, that was the thing that made them better. I'd have to see it because it's kind of hard not knowing, and it would vary case to case, in my opinion. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, I'd love to hear what Dr. Jeff has to say. I always love his opinion. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the uh, uh, you said it exactly correctly. It It, it is on a case-by-case basis. The basis of individualized medicine is exactly that on a case by case basis. You know, uh, a lot of times uh, if you, you know, you can look at the uh, biochemical pathways, you can look at the glutathione pathway. And one of the things that the glutathione um, conjugation pathway does is clear out oxidized glutathione from the mitochondria and recreate, um, recreate the more functional glutathione. Okay, but uh, sometimes it's not a matter of the creation of glutathione. It's a matter of the oxidative stress. So it's really got to be done on an individual basis. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I often have people call me and say, you know, I'm looking for somebody who does IV glutathione. And that's nice. Okay. You need somebody who is a, a holistic practitioner that knows when to use glutathione, how to use glutathione, when to use the precursors, when not to use the precursors, when to use uh, NAD, when to use, uh, you know, high-level niacin uh, because it's an NAD-dependent pathway, when to use high-level B-complex and so forth and so on and so on and so on and so on. It's not mm-hmm. as, as easy as let me just, you know, practice this, you know, and I do agree with the bottom-up approach because, we aren't looking at basics any longer. We're looking at the downstream effects and saying, oh, that's what's really wrong. You know, that's not mm-hmm. what's wrong. That's what's, that was the effect of, you know, what we first got, you know, and um, 
you know, I, I fully support a, a, a fully holistic, comprehensive approach because that's what's needed and necessary these days to be treating the root causes and downstream effects. Uh, and however you want to phrase that, uh, it doesn't really matter. But um, we need we need physicians, we need uh, clinicians that can do both of those things and um, and are willing to do both of those things and have the time and capability of doing both of those things. And as you wisely pointed out, most times we don't have the time to do it. Okay, most people don't have the wherewithal to do it. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's very sad. It really is. Mm-hmm. Reed, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in. I love having the, the dialogue. I mean, that's what kind of inspires us all mm-hmm. to learn more and share ideas and, and talk absolutely. about how, how do we each, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do we manage this <laughs> in our individual practices? So. Well, thanks um, a lot for your question. I appreciate it. Take thank care. Thank you very Bye-bye. much. I'm enjoying yes. this. Thanks, Bob. Oh, you are? Oh, thanks. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I cut it off. <laughs> on, no. Right. no, I think you have for a little while, Oops. you know, but anyway, um, and maybe it's a quiet night. I don't know. Well, we'll catch we'll catch them on the archives, I guess. Tell me or tell our tell our listeners. Now you, we've said it several times that you're launching your health optimization business, consulting business, and I know you just named it today and formed it today. So now you get to tell everybody <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I know. You know. Talk about an impetus. And, you know, the funny thing is, so we moved to this new community, and because I didn't have an office, I I was targeted pretty quickly as the stay-at-home mom, which is fine because I love my kids and I I do a lot for them. But I got kind of sucked into a lot of um, volunteer uh, activity, and it took me a a couple more months than I wanted to launch. But so your podcast was kind of the impetus to say, all right, I just need to pick a name and, and the uh, my my medicine clinic will be called Focus Integrative Medicine, and really that's mm-hmm. for the focus is on your optimal health, the focus is on your bio individuality, and the focus is on you. So I'm making it all about the patient. Uh, it will I'll formally be open for consultation December first. You can either email me at Dr. Rika. That's spelled out in two words: D O C T O R R A J K A at Gmail dot com. And request to receive information once once my scheduling system is up. Um, on my website, I've posted kind of the gist of what the consults will entail, how much they'll cost, et cetera. And then, or you can um, call me and leave a message, and I can certainly have someone get back to you, is 331-472-7422. Um, but email is probably best for now because I, I am going to try to make this as cutting edge, including patient-directed scheduling, to make it easy, you know, if it's not easy, <laughs> who's going to do it? And and then that right. way um, it, it'll be an easy fit, and including that these consultations, for the people who live locally, I will definitely offer follow-ups um, virtually so that they're not having to drive, and I have a nice, secure video teleconferencing system in place that I'll be utilizing, and it'll allow me to share my computer screen so I can actually do teaching while we're virtual, which is really, really crucial for me because I love to teach. So I feel if someone understands what is going on, they're more apt to make the change so they don't get continue to feel as poorly as they do. Um, and mm-hmm. then I think that's, that's, that's really about it. Um, I am licensed in five states, so I'll be able to consult with patients uh, from those states as well, and that's California, Washington, Ohio, Illinois, and Massachusetts. I guess I am just collecting licenses from around the U.S. <laughs> well, with, with the state of telemedicine these days, I understand completely the necessity for it. Okay, it's um, it's it's an interesting, but it is growing, and uh, very soon we'll be able you'll be able to practice, you know, have a license in one state, and be able to consult with people almost anywhere else. You know. So it's yeah. it's on the rise. Okay, it's uh they're catching they're catching up so to speak. <laughs> no, it's, Not it's, as quick as I anything, like. Well, it's true, but remember this: what we do is not the. It's not only not mainstream; it's not even alternative. I mean, a lot of alternative practices are run by, like allopathic regular allopathic practices, where they're rushing people in and out and in and out, you know, and. Um, we're anomalies, <laughs> yeah. Taking a, my my initial consultation is two hours, you know, but then I don't miss too many things, okay. But 
it makes it difficult to live that way because, you know, you can't, there aren't that many hours in the day. So uh, you mm-hmm. have to be, balance your, your overhead and balance everything else that you're doing. Okay. And um, it can be done, but it is not an easy thing. Okay. And mm-hmm. the doctors like yourself who are willing to put themselves out to do it is a, um, it's just a wonderful thing. It really is. Is there any parting words you'd like to have for our audience? Uh, uh, just the last comment to that last comment you made is that there aren't enough hours in the day. So look, be on the lookout. So for the horizon is I will be doing group classes, which will at least get the basics. So we didn't kind of get into the basics and you four kind of, we said that although we can do all these fancy things, it really is the bottom line is that the better we can have you living your life and the diet that you're eating and some minimal supplementation, the better you're going to feel. And so uh, I'm going to be doing the group classes and eventually having some online courses. Now it's not going to hit everyone, but it'll get people mostly to where they need so that the time I need to spend with them face-to-face is going to become less. And lo and behold, maybe a portion of them will be able to just get themselves better. So, And that would be, you know, if you, uh, it's been said that if you, Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, but if you teach him the fish, you feed him for a lifetime. You know, if you can catch it early and change habits, that's the the very basic, very basis of health is to get it at the early part. And if you start teaching people in the preconceptual area, you're going to make healthy babies. Healthy babies give healthy adults. You can change the whole course of a lot of different lives, which is obviously why you do what you do, which is great. And I appreciate you being on the show. I um, will repeat. Oh, hold on. I got it right here. I got your, uh, you have, um, the way to get in touch with Dr. Rika is, is Dr. Rika, D-O-C-T-O-R-I-R-A-J-K-A at gmail.com. Uh, she's on Facebook at, um, if you just put in D-R-R-A-J-K-A or on Twitter at how do you say this on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter that much. That at sign? At yeah, Dr. Rika? Yeah, at Dr. Okay. Yep. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> I, I know I was like going back and forth on Twitter and I have a Twitter account, but I don't know what to do with it. You know, everybody's like putting these <laughs> symbols and I'm like, what is that? You know, they're like, at this one. I'm not, I'm not at anywhere. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like okay, you this teach is me social the rest media. Of and I'll teach you Twitter. <laughs> it's a deal. Methylation to me is easy. It's the Twitter stuff that I have problems with. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I can look at these, these pathways and I'm like, Ben's talking. I'm like, I'm like, okay, no, no, no problem. Wake up, wake up. Because <laughs> I do it all the time. And I'm like, okay. Somebody's like, let's go from the bottom up. I'm like, I've been telling you that for years. <laughs> he says, let's not concentrate on the snips. I'm like, I wonder where I heard that before. <laughs> and I love him to death because he's the most intelligent, most loving guy I've ever seen. You know, except he's, he, well, he used to be ultra serious. You know, to get him to crack a smile was like, you know, how to use a crowbar. But now he's like, you know, he's he's living what he teaches, and he's he's making it more understandable, and um, and that in doing that, it's spreading like wildfire now. People are beginning to understand the real basis of how to get people better, and where the genetic input helps that, you know. Whereas, and I think the impetus of changing that was because there were these computer programs out there that by just telling people, oh, you know, you have this, take that, which is like the wrong way to approach it. And, you know, it just takes, it takes taking history, it takes time, it takes consideration, and it takes a very well-trained, very well-experienced healthcare provider to do it. You know, you wouldn't want somebody who's not well-trained and well-experienced to do a comprehensive workup because they don't have the wherewithal to do it, okay? And you don't want them following a computer program, even though, like, I do a lot of neurotransmitter testing, you know, they, they always send you this, the recommendations. I never read them. <laughs> you know, like, but no, it says to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I taught those people. Okay. <laughs> They're looking at it statically. They're looking at the test and saying you should take that. I'm like, no. <laughs> I have to kind of decide which way they're going. It's dynamic. And I'm like, okay, well, if you want to sell your product, go ahead. I'm like, no, I just, no, I just don't look at that part because I don't need to. You know, and I tell people what they need. But it's okay. It's good. We're, we're breaking new ground. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Hopefully people will follow us either that or we're we're uh, you know fighting a tidal wave. Whatever. Either way it's going to be good. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Rick. I appreciate you being on the show and sharing your knowledge with us people. Um, you have her contact information. Um, honestly, this is the type of doctor you've been asking about. This is the kind of doctor you want to be seeing. This is the kind of person who has, this is the kind of physician who has the training, the wherewithal, the abilities, and the motivation, okay, mostly the motivation to treat you in a truly holistic manner, okay? Holistic is not swinging dead chickens over somebody's heads or bringing other crystals, okay? It's knowing the, it's knowing the ability, it's knowing what traditional and non-traditional or complementary or alternative or functional or integrative, whatever word you want to use, okay? Knowing when you need what for your best benefit, okay? That takes a ton of experience and a ton of training, okay? And the willingness to be broad-based and broad-minded rather than saying it's easy to practice a specialty. It's easy to say, I'm going to do this one thing and be that, and that's it, okay? It's really easy to do that. To do what Dr. Reich is doing takes a lot of effort and a lot of time. And frankly, it takes a lot of chutzpah. Hmm. Okay, because Thank you, Dr. Jeff. it's you're most welcome. It's really easy to practice, especially it's very hard to be a generalist and a very good generalist. Okay, because that's what we're missing. That's what we need. So, again, thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. And I appreciate you because I know what you've gone through to get to this level, okay? And we can agree to disagree, and we'll, bu- we'll bump heads on things, and that's why we learn. <laughs> we learn by arguing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you know, I was like, ask the guy that I that I bumped heads with at the, at the seminar. I'm like, I don't like your program. He says, I don't care. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they found, they found them in different garbage bags along the city. It's okay. You know, it was down for nobody knows anyway, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, marijuana is legal over there, so it's, you know. <laughs> oh, really? It's like, you know, I mean, come on. You know, it's like, it was insulting. You know, you're trying to tell people how to think. I don't like it. You know, I'm trying to teach people how to think. You're telling them, oh, follow this little program. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not the way to do things. Okay. And, <clears throat> anyway, one more time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I guess nobody else is calling in, so... I guess we'll end the show right here, and um, we'll be talking soon, okay? Sounds good. Have a good rest of your night. Take care. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. You're welcome. So, everybody, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. It was seemed like a very quiet night here, but I know we'll catch everybody on the uh, archive. So um, contact us with any questions, and, uh, again, there won't be a show next week. So Sean and I are uh, lecturing in um, in Kentucky, and uh, we'll be back in a week after with a new show. You guys take care. Have a good rest of your night. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally near. I can feel the change.